If you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch anime chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary. And add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd over I really hope they don't do that again. I didn't do it. <laughs> I wasn't going to do I it. I know. Back to back, and don't forget, I, I took Nate to California Adventure in the You middle. drove back and forth how many times? Uh, well, now, to be fair, I flew. You flew down. Up to Oakland, <laughs> back up to Oakland Sunday night. Okay. Um, and then, yes, drove down Monday. So Sunday night was leaving D23. Yes. To Oakland. Yes. So Luke and I flew back up to Oakland. So you left your car in Oakland? Yeah, did park and fly, which was cheaper then doing really? uh, uh, Uber up to the airport, up and back uh, twice. I can believe so, that. Yeah. yeah, and I got to say, the park and fly in Oakland, I've done Oakland's. I don't think San Jose exists anymore. I mean, I, I, the they city have a does, of it, yeah. but I think they got rid of their park and fly franchise. Yeah. Um, and I've done San Francisco, and Oakland was the best. And it was so I, unofficially sponsoring the podcast. They are they were so convenient and. Like, I didn't have to call. The shuttle was just running on a regular basis. Picked me up. Took me right back to my car. And that was terrific. But anyway, drove that. So then you drove. Then Monday morning, got up, updated the site a little bit, and then drove down to L.A. Then Tuesday, drove to Anaheim early to meet Nate and Tiffany and take them to California Adventure. And then about 9 o'clock, that's when I discovered the – light up spider-man straw so i had to get a drink to get yeah, the light up spider-man and then i drive back because stephanie said like well you know do you want to go over to disneyland and watch phantasmic and i said did the spider-man straw just light up when you were drawing fluid through or no no no. it's a, it's a battery powered thing it's a clip it's on always it clips on. onto the straw oh, I see. Okay. so but you can make it blink you can do you okay. know, so i i was pleased by it uh i mean i have, a, I have a millennium falcon that does it and i uh, you know so um then yeah got up and drove down to san diego and and I, it was amazing to realize I did five days without getting into a car, like being in San yeah, Diego just, always, and just yeah. walking. It was so nice. And then uh-huh. loaded up the car with all of Jason Salazar's stuff and then uh, drove up on Monday uh, to back up to Sunnyvale. Did you have more stuff or did he have more stuff? Oh, he had way more stuff because okay. he bought more toys. Right. Well, he buys the big box stuff. He too. buys it. Well, it's funny because he um, – they had the – Hot he top, buys Funko. Hot top, well, yeah, he didn't go to the Funko booth. And I said Hot Topic had everything that was exclusive at Comic-Con. The difference is that the sticker on it said convention exclusive oh. at Hot Topic instead of saying San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. Right. So I'll admit this. He, he took it out of the bag, and he had the Wonder Twins in Gleek. And so... I went, oh, my gosh, that's a hot topic. I got to go up there. And he said, oh, do you want it? 
and just gave me that. So that was the that was uh, one of the two toys that I or three toys that I got for myself. Uh, but most of what I bought was books. I probably have about twenty pounds of, wow. of books. Partially publishers giving me stuff, but I also bought the things and I'll talk about on the podcast tonight too. But yeah. uh, so let's get into it. This is Derek McCott, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet dot com, and we are podcasting on. Good heavens, what day is this? Uh, July 25th, 2017. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. And, uh, yeah, new comic book day and an exciting day that it has been, right? Uh, Post-Comic-Con blues, people, we got that. <laughs> Can you put that, like, you know, a little... Da -na 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 -na. Drove back from San Diego. Da -da -da -da. Tried not to get the flu. Da -da. Okay, anyway. Uh, so that's it. And across from me at the Brett Cave, running the board and looking suave and... and you know, more comfortably dressed than I am. Rick Brett Snyder. Yes, indeed. So here we're going to talk some comics news, some movie news, some TV news. And as you may have heard, as we were coming in there talking about Comic-Con, and this was two weeks of, <laughs> it's like, we should make a mockumentary. Two weeks in hell. D23 and Comic-Con back-to-back. So some of the news comes out of that. You're a better man. I would have been a pool of protoplasmic slime at the end of two weeks. I, I dumped out after D23. Uh, you know, I credit teaching. Hmm. You have to have it. You have to find wells of energy you did not know you had. Yeah. <coughs> to get through the day, and think there's heavens, there's coffee. Mm. Yes, and we just got and discovered a, 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 the broken yoke in San Diego. Okay. And the other thing that was different about this year, sci-fi didn't take over the Hard Rock Cafe, uh, the Hard Rock Hotel's um, oh, restaurant. Oh. No, it was uh, it stayed Mary Jane's and had the it's a nice restaurant. I yeah, it. It, yeah. I mean, it was exactly the same. The prices were exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, but there was it's a, a little pricey. Skybound, yeah, it is. And I found a slightly cheaper place around the corner, so I only ate at Mary Jane's once and. Uh, but that that was fine and dandy. So uh, we did have a, a, a top story planned, a special interview, but we had technical difficulties tonight. Uh, I texted the creator, and I'm just going to leave it at that, who it is. It'll be a surprise later um, that we are unfortunately unable to uh, to conduct an interview in tonight's episode. But that's okay, because in the weeks ahead... We are going to have so many interviews uh, from Comic-Con. We're going to try to you know keep them timely but also drips and drabs while we're keeping you up to date on news instead of doing the the usual what we do is like bank episodes uh, and and say like we release three at one in one right, week. Right, and, right. and instead it was just like, oh, this week we'll have an interview with so-and-so from this because some of them are long lead enough. We'll have a special – I think we can look forward to this and say, yes, we will have an Orville special yeah. uh, and po possibly a Batman and Harley Quinn special as well. So, ooh, previews ahead. In the meantime, if uh, <clears throat> if you found us on, on uh, one of your uh, podcast aggregators, uh, do write in, do, do subscribe. Or, or at least rate us and review us and tell us. Uh, and of course, uh, if we talk about anything this evening, since it's you know a lot of comics, there might be some graphic novels you want, and you can't find them at your local brick and mortar store. If then I, I again stress that I do want you to support your local comic shop. But if you cannot find an item there, there is a handy dandy Amazon link, uh, and, and uh, if you use that off of Fanboy Planet, we get a tiny kickback as well. We have. Uh, uh, an affiliation with thinkgeek.com, which has plenty of cool geek stuff. I, I Did you notice that they done uh, the Star Trek tiki mugs now, too? I it's did. Like, I saw those. I got to, like, build a special rack or something uh -huh. and then just 
You know, I, I mean, it was, I've got both. No, I didn't get both sets of Star Wars. I need to get the second set of Star Wars. And then I need to get the Star Trek one because I, I need to drink from a Mugatu skull. We got a, we stopped by Trader Sam's uh, this this trip and we got the last mug that we didn't have. And I had that one and I wish I'd known because then I, it's just kind of sitting gathering uh, dust for me. I would have gladly said here and got another. But that's okay. We're trying to plan a tiki party. So I'm saying, the, the, you know. We have the torches in the back. So check out uh, Think Deek. Think Deek. Think Deek, like Derek. Thinkgeek.com. As, and if you use uh, the link, the one of the, go through one of the ads on Fanboy Planet, then we, again, get a small affiliation. You can go fee. through those ads even if you're, like, buying shirts. Yeah, no, I know, absolutely. Or, uh, and, of course, if uh, you'd just like to su- help support the cost of the website and hosting the podcast, you can go to PayPal and use editor, E-D-I-T-O-R, at fanboyplanet.com. As well as if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, you're screaming at the podcast right now like, could you guys just get on with it instead of all the intro stuff? Write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Let's do that intro stuff. Let's do it. Let's talk some comics news. I mean, we've just kind of, like I said, it's been Comic-Con. A lot of things are going to come back as far as the announcements and so forth. I think the most, (laughs) the funniest, uh, no, Let's go with, yeah, the funniest odd thing is that apparently there was a controversy on Sunday of Comic-Con that United Airlines claimed as people were leaving uh, San Diego at the airport, telling them they could not pack comic books in their bags, in their check-in luggage. Because? uh... Uh, Because apparently the TSA got very upset that they were being blamed for this. Now, you remember a few months ago, the the TSA allegedly... what is it, Transportation Safety Authority? Is that what TSA stands for? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think so. We have so many acronyms in our lives, we just accept them. Uh, but They're the friendly arm of Homeland Security. Uh, well, sometimes you get that friendly arm. Uh, There's only in the cavity search. Uh, that uh, they had, they were experimenting with, like saying they were going to make you unpack your books and check, uh, and, and check books. It, it was a very brief thing. I, I don't even know if that really was happened at every airline. I don't know if that happened at every airport, but there was talk that they were going to do that. I don't know what the, and I don't mean to make light of it. I don't know what the alleged threat of the book books could possibly hold, but they did at least say what happened was last summer. They kind of made this recommendation. They said uh, that they didn't say you couldn't uh, put graphic novels and trade paperbacks in your, and comics in your bags, but they said that sometimes they can interfere with the x-ray and that you might open yourself uh, self up to a bag search. Is it any worse than if you have a couple of hardback books in your bag? Well, exactly. So, I mean, that's why the TSA was kind of saying, like, no, we were just, that was just a guideline. Like, if you could carry your, you know, if you wanted to put it in your carry-on bag, um, you know, th- that that was probably a safer bet as far as not having your luggage gone through. I usually do it just because paper is so much heavier than everything else I pack. and right. My bags are usually well. That's why I drive. Even, although, yeah. as I pointed out, you know, the oddly, uh, I've never flown with my recorder before, except coming back from D twenty three. So, never thought of it. And at least there, the TSA. I want to shout out to the Long Beach Airport because the TSA person was so friendly. Because I've got my son with me, and I and she just took it out and she said, "Well, just what is this?" And I explained, and then she said, "It looks like a taser." And she showed me, and I said, "Wow, you're right on X ray." Yeah. That looks like a taser. I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. Okay, you know, fine. And then three hours later when I was released, uh, everything was – no, I'm fine. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm still walking It happened to me so many times 
that I would just take it out of the bag and lay it in a. I mean, and a there was, tray. you know what it was? It was the uh, normally I you know I would have if I'd even thought about it. Yeah. I'm not even sure why I packed the record. I don't think I packed it on purpose. I think it was just happened to be in the bag when I grabbed, grabbed it, it from my laptop. Yeah. I mean, I even brought my la- D23. I was so busy with my son, I never turned on my laptop, but I brought it because I thought, well, maybe I'll do some updates. Um, no. Um, you know, so, I mean, lesson learned. I think maybe I thought the recorder should stay because I did meet up with Jim Cummings and we had talked previously about maybe we'll do an interview but there just wasn't time and you know yeah jeez you know i was far more exhausted at the end of d23 than i was at the at the end of comic-con which is kind of weird so um i i think it's because i just probably stood in more lines I but, think but let's it's probably hey yeah there is so uh the tsa was upset it's just interesting yes you can take comic books and your luggage and everything's fine um you know out of uh comic-con uh there's an interesting thing. We, I keep asking on this podcast, like, I wonder what the digital figures are. Blizzard, did you know, because uh, I really didn't. I, I suppose I sort of assumed they were doing this, but they've been doing digital comics of World of Warcraft and Overwatch, which they claim have 25 million readers. They're free, aren't they? That may be the difference. Yeah. Well, sure, the digital comics are free, but how much are you paying? Well, yeah, I guess Overwatch is what forty bucks if you get a good sale price. Yeah, um, I don't know what World of Warcraft is. I couldn't get into that. And they just came out with new characters. There was another short video of the intro- to introduce the new character in Overwatch? Overwatch. Yeah, I wish I did not suck at that game. I wish I had time to play it, but yeah. uh, I, I'm uh, occupied. But I think that's interesting when we keep there's all this talk because it, it ties into the next thing. When there's all this talk about comics dying, which we hear, you know, every year. Um, but it is true that in June, comic sales went down a little bit. Well, I think the you know I think there's people are thinking the economy is you know employment is not as the numbers may be up, but the wages that people are getting and the cost right. of living you know comics are going to be one of those things that get cut, especially at the prices that they set. So the free digital is probably making a lot of money. But when but they bemoan it as people aren't reading comics, and I, I think that's not true. And then you see something like this where. If 25 million people are reading Overwatch, and granted, it's like, I suppose, to be fair, it's like podcasts. You can count in downloads. You don't know that people are actually reading it. But but it's still, it's an impressive figure. And, you know, there is still a hunger out there. And there's still still people interested. And uh, DC has a potential solution. Um, I don't know if it's really a potential solution. But they did announce that that they're really moving into... Uh, at, at Comic-Con, they announced that they really want to redefine and move into more of graphic novels along the line of what they'd done with the Earth-1 series, um, which is, I don't right. know if you can call it series, the Earth-1 line imprint. Um, they've got a Green Lantern one coming that sounds really wow. interesting. But uh, Scott Snyder's moving there. Because right now they've done a couple of Batman and a couple there, of there Superman. Are, there are two Batman, three Superman. three Superman, two Teen Titans, and one Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, that's right. And there's going to be one. Uh, there's going to be a Green Lantern in February. I ran okay. a piece on Fanboy Planet on it. It looks really interesting. But they're all unrelated to each other, and that's the the other interesting thing right. about it. Is like if you if you like Superman, you're going to buy the Earth One. You don't have to tie tie in. And there's only right. three volumes and they're very good i was i'm waiting for a fourth i'm waiting for a third on batman earth one because uh-huh. i thought that was i still think that was terrific wonder woman was good i haven't read the second teen titan yet um but uh they're i think actually going to they're even looking at more like a french or a european uh, graphic album thing and so um 
the first thing out of the gate is going to be that All-Star Batman is no longer going to be a monthly comic from Scott Snyder. They're going to take a few months off as they as he creates an album called All-Star Batman Volume 1. And it'll be an oversized... It'll be all brand new. All, all brand new, oversized paperback, really showing off art and kind of changing. Whereas, you know, Marvel's been saying with Legacy, we're going to change the way you read comics and everything they've done so far is say... By making them look like they did 30 years ago, but yeah. for 50 times the price, um, DC seems to actually be, we, you know, and, and we've gone back and forth on, on this. We're in the habit of going to the shop every week. Right. But there are kids that can't. There are business people that are interested in comics um, that don't go on the, you know, and, and it's hard. And the busier i get i was about to say the older i get but it's true the the older and busier i get um the harder it is to show up on wednesday there's just mm-hmm. often things even we even you know sometimes podcasting on wednesday is difficult and that's you know that's just life so you go to the store when you can and so maybe there's something to that for bookstores i mean like i say uh most of what i bought at comic-con besides food was uh you know, I went to publishers. I went to uh, Artist Alley and picked up um, one. I'll, I'll preview another one. Um, people were telling have been telling me about. Well, it's actually Josh Dysart. I think had told me about Kaiju Max um, by Xander Cannon. So I met Xander Cannon at, at a party, and then I went to his table, and I went, "All right, it's time to buy a Kaiju Max." So I went up buying books by creators that I liked, uh-huh. you know, or that I've heard good things about saying here you get the, the the money directly but it's all trades i wasn't buying individuals i i bought two individual floppies if you will both from uh mike wellman the latest issue of guns ablazin and um and his faith no more uh comic guns ablazin is a little different because it's a bigger than normal anthology of stories oh no it's not an anthology no guns ablazin is not an anthology oh i'm thinking of uh something completely different no i'm thinking of the the monty python anthology no the hot blazin love what uh hot mexican love which there's been one issue of 10 years ago yes no no guns ablazin is there yeah it was uh it's an uh guns ablazin is unfortunately only an annual Release, so I always go at Comic Con, oh, and I buy, and I I'm always the first one. I make sure that's the first <laughs> booth I go to, and I buy it, and they go, Comic Con has begun. I am your number it. one fan. Well, no, I'm just the first. <laughs> uh, you know, it's up to issue five, and uh, okay. and if you are someone who has looked at Guns Blazing, and I'm not even sure how you get it unless your local store is, but you can try. Um, the this fifth issue really. Uh, brings the storyline into focus um, as far as what's actually going on. So they're wrapping up their arc, and I, I give Mike crap every year and say But the reality is, like everything else, it, it is actually a little oversized. It's thicker. It's kind of on a it's on a thicker card stock. It, it's a it's a it's a well produced comic book, um, but it takes a while because both uh, you know Mike's running two comic book stores. Uh, Rafael Navarro is the artist, a co-creator. Right. Um, he's working as a storyboard artist as well. You know, he's he's an animation, so it's sometimes hard to fit in the cracks and make all the convention appearances they do. But uh, you know, so that's uh, out of Comic Con. That question: What are, what are uh, coming as comics? I'm thinking about that even with Rickety Stitch. I went by and saw Ben and James, who we interviewed a few weeks ago. 
And now I'm envious because I saw they were selling the hardcover version of Rickety Stitch, and I bought the paperback. Um, so they had hardcovers, and I was really tempted to pick that up instead, oh. except I already had the paperback. I'm like, no, I can't justify it, but it, it's beautiful. Um, I yeah. do need to pick that up. Yeah, we'll pick up the hardcover. You won't yeah. be sorry. Yeah. Um, so To wait until Ben's back in the area. Well, we'll see when Ben's back in the area. I don't know. I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hope it visits. But the thing is, it's well, his dad's up here, but, you know, Nate's down there. They just yeah, you know, hang out all the time. Ah, Nate, we miss you. All right. So uh, let's get to uh, what's in the bag. I want to go a little faster tonight and say, you know, what's uh, what's happening? It's been a while, but we're still limiting to this week. So, sure. you know, go ahead. What's in your bag? You think we're limiting to this week. Um, so. Don't you be that kind of little. I'm not that kind of. I'm just something talking truth so there are some things that uh we were talking about this before dinner um there's some things that hit you in your your comic book reader memory and just feel right and that's why i'm pulled this week savage dragon number 225 which has the super spectacular 100 pages banner that was uh a fixture in the uh Early seventies, late seventies. I'm pretty no mid seventies. Yeah, yeah. I, I always think I was buying in the early seventies, and then I yeah. realized when I time like, oh, that Justice League that was the first one I bought, and like, oh my gosh, that was seventy five yeah. already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. So yeah. So this is uh, it's it's a uh, the future of comics twenty. I guess it's Image's twenty fifth anniversary. Is that right? It says uh, Image twenty five. I think this is established. Ni- yeah, established nineteen ninety-two. Yeah. So uh, this is their two hundred and twenty-fifth issue of Savage Dragon. So let's not say theirs. It's Eric Eric's, Larson's two hundred twenty-fifth. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it is uh, a, a action-packed as you'd expect from Savage Dragon. Hundred pages. Did you count a hundred pages? Is it actually hundred? I I, I, I don't want to be ripped off. to be. Uh, I'm sure they counted the covers. Um, I think the originals did too. I think so. They didn't count the ads. That's where you can subtract the ads. Um, but it's got the typical. It's got the story that moves along the current storyline. Then it's got a uh, characterization of Savage Dragon story by a guest artist. Then there's a Freak Force story. Um, so a lot of Eric Larson's creations. For and then image. A, then a monster from Murky Deeps, kind of a, a fear style. Uh, yeah. Monster story, and then they do one. Which looks like reprints, which is where the the color has been munged in it. It's kind of dark. That looks so like 80s. That looks like picking up a late eighties uh, Marvel book that's that's been Xerox or something. So um, this this is just uh, a work of art from somebody who obviously loves comics and well, uh, as we said, Eric puts has, out Eric has product. been. Uh, a solid supporter of Fanboy Planet and been a guest on the podcast a few times. Uh, so, hey, if you're listening to this, go to Fanboy Planet and check out, uh, you know, do fanboyplanet.com slash tag slash Eric dash Larson. And uh, you can pick up, I think we've interviewed him three times. I think he's At guested on it times. three times. So you can hear, you know, go back and find old old podcasts with him. I should Ooh. mention the only downside of this book is it's 10 bucks, nine ninety five. But so, but again, but it's like it's, it's like saying, it's like with trade with trade paperbacks. It's a hundred pages for yeah. ten bucks. There are trade paperbacks that aren't a hundred pages. Well, and and that's the thing is that's what it gets me at Comic Con. You know, going on a trade paperbacks buying spree is like, oh, I picked up a lot of things for like ten bucks, and I'm like, it just seems like so accessible, and yes. then it adds up, <laughs> right? 
stacks up. Twenty um, of them later. Um, I'm going to go with one that's that I, I read digitally. I don't have it in my stack, but I want to say it, or I'll forget. Okay. Which is today, uh, Archie Comics uh, released "Your Pal Archie" by Ty Templeton and Dan Parent. And Dan Parent was a longtime Archie artist. What's notable about this book is it's an update of the look, but it's actually Archie in the old style. It's a completely younger kid friendly it's like the mark wade the the archie the betty and veronica the reggie me they're doing right now right are feels like that's really aimed at ya sort of like a transition into the darkness of riverdale right um it's making an appeal to yeah the, the media but but your pal archie is in the style of when your parents would go to a stucky when our parents and buy the well i think maybe those parents i mean they've been doing the digest still like you go into a walmart right. and you'll see them and it's the reprints of the old stuff but this is trying to it, it's got a continued story it's got another like teach it you know in the classic kind of thing of 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 jughead learns to drive and so it, it is both updated and a throwback and ty templeton um who I've loved since Stig's Inferno way back when. Um, and he wrote The Adventures of Batman and Robin for DC, the animated uh, comic book, is, uh, you know, it captures the feel while updating it without being that kind of, should I show my kids this book that occasionally Archie, Jughead, and Betty and Veronica are. You know, that's not a, a cut because it's working very well for Archie. I just thought it was cool to see them try, dip a toe back into creating new work in the classic style. And Dan Parent is also, uh, like I said, longtime artist and does the uh, book that uh, Die, Kitty Die, if you've oh, uh, yeah, read yeah. that, uh, which is kind of a satire of their days at, at Archie and what goes on in there. But clearly it's all good natured. And uh, so your it's, pal Archie, pick it up if you if you want to have a fun book to show your kids. It's funny because I've always thought, uh, not always thought, but I was thinking about Archie comics a little while ago and, um, Archie is kind of like Seinfeld for for younger kids. It's observational humor. It's really about nothing. There's no no coherent story. No, absolutely it's all about the true. characters it's all, it, and, absolutely. The, and and situations, their observations, and how those get twisted and stuff. I mean, I was trying to think. You know, Jerry Seinfeld playing Archie in skit comedy would be kind of funny. So sketch comedy, skit, skits, skits. Carol Burnett does skits. Oh, you do skits. Yeah, okay, that was that's Lauren Michaels' famous. Thing. I need a I need a person, a, a situation, and a. No, I don't do that. No, those are those are games. All right, go. Okay, no, that was. Oh, yes, my right. turn. My turn. So, um, this is a book that I, I'm surprised that it's kept me going for nine issues, and that is Thanos, the latest run. Um, They'll keep everybody going till Infinity War comes out. Yeah, um, this this uh, this run on Thanos has started with Thanos basically being sick. He's he's not strong. He's he's uh, on the run from people people who can take care take him out. Uh, started off with him going to uh, back home and asking his father to cure him, and he said no, and so he basically took out Titan. But that was he's come down a long ways, and the the other thing is um, Thane, his son from the uh, what was the name of that series? Uh, Inhumanity? That's not Inhumanity. No, it was before Inhumanity. Um, but there was a there was a long. It was a Hickman series. Yeah. I totally know what you're talking about. It was I, it led in led out of a lot of like Ultimates and stuff. Um, this is why there's been it, it, you know I'm going to be honest. I'm sure that's good. But yeah. as we're trying to sort like where the background of these characters are, and we're losing track, 
But I can remember the storyline. I just can't remember what they called it. I know, but it's just yeah. saying it's just yeah. been too much of that stuff where it's... Well, it's where the Black Watch got started and... You know, which, had, as you say, oh, D23, they will be, be in the, the, the crucial movie. to Infinity War. And they yeah. look great. They look they very, do. very... Uh, they do. Um, but uh, th- this is this is rather nice. Coincidentally, I mean, all played by Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> it's difficult to write... Um, write about a bad guy who is as powerful as Thanos, right? You usually have to put it through the eyes of somebody else who's being affected by him. I'm trying to think of there's a, there's another uh there was a graphic series, graphic novel series about the the bad guy who had taken over the world and now he was the Empire. Empire, right. And there's a Mark sequel Wade, to Mary Kitson. Right. And that was not that was primarily told through the people around him. But this is really sticking with Thanos as the major character. A couple of breaks away because you do that in comics. But um, I'm actually enjoying this quite a bit. And what the twist of what they've done with Thane to make him a uh, an amazingly powerful and dangerous character, I'm not going to spoil, but it's, uh, it's quite good. I'm going to go Marvel 2. And that is um, just because I'm in this sort of, favorites. sort of uh, one. Honestly, I can't believe... That it's been the, been going this long. Oh yeah, I think it's great. Don't get me wrong. This is the twenty first issue of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. So this was I actually had a Devil Dinosaur trivia question at the Pro Fan Trivia Contest. Yeah, because I was like, oh my gosh. By the way, you realize Marvel Comics Unlimited has all of Jack Kirby's Devil Dinosaur uh, available. So I actually spent some time reading the original run when I think I had only had like the first issue when I was a kid. Um, Anyway, I you know, and that trivia question. By the way, for anybody who wants to play at home, what uh, what do Moon Boys people call themselves? And uh, so uh, the smart alecky answer from Tom Galloway was, but that was not correct. Anyway, the Moon Watchers? No, no, Moon Watcher would be actual two thousand one. I know, but I thought that there was a. It was about the same time or it was after 2001 right yeah you know, he did it about the same time as machine man right um which did come from 2001 the, the 2001 series which that, that should be collected and of course can't yeah. be but uh i it actually occurred to me this weekend that i need to go on a hunt for back issues and see how expensive would it be to put together a 2001 package yeah uh but the actual answer is uh the small folk Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but but they were still chimp like. But to fo- yeah, yeah, to focus on which it came up in the I realized it, it did come up in the early issues of oh yeah of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and I think when we're talking about the concerns about diversity and so some forth, of them came forward with oh, right right uh, yeah. they, they weren't the small folk they were the they were the bad guys right, uh, right, right. and now I'm blanking on that because you know it, it, it's been three days with no sleep um, that when we're talking about diversity it's like I think this would be an awesome disney movie uh, an animated film like big hero six put moon girl Dragon. put moon girl and devil dinosaur into the big hero six universe or that'd be cool uh, i mean or just do a solo because this idea of this girl of this is a fantastic series every time i she's think she's like the second or third smartest person in the marvel galaxy yeah, it's now. like it's like it's like amadeus cho but yeah. uh, you know but I, I love it she's what a 10 year old girl in queens and she's got this devil dinosaur who is far more shamed 
by his behavior by her than uh, Moon Boy was ever 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 able right, to right, get right. Devil to do. Right. So I this is just a remarkably charming series, so appropriate for kids, and. And a kid can understand that sense of frustration, whether or not they're the third smartest person on earth, uh, of like people trying to limit her all the time. Right. When and it's, yet she persists. And yet she persists. And it's not the she is revealed to be an inhuman early on in the series. Right. Right. But that's really not her power. The you know that she gets the inhuman power to sort of talk to devil, but she was already this brilliant, brilliant kid, and that's right. where the series focuses. And I just think this is a great book. And if she's a good role model for a young girl, and, and for young boys, yeah. I mean, let's be fair because we're going to come back to this at the end of the podcast when we talk television. It's time to admit that role that yes, we do need to put an emphasis on women as role models, but they're role models for everybody. Should be, yeah, you know, and yes. that's we we need to accept that. Well, when we die off. Okay, next on your stack, no role models here. Uh, this is uh, another image comic. Um, and boy, I'm going to murder these names. Uh, Al's Cot, Andre Lima Arujo, um, are the creators of Generation Gone. Oh, I saw that. I was going to pick it up. Which I realized I've already. It was pointed out to me by JC, JK in uh, Hijinks. He said, you want to check this one out because he usually knows what I like. And it's the conceit of this is there is a think tank that's working on weaponizing different sciences. And the guy who's doing the major projects has a side project of his own that he's just trying to, uh, trying to put forward where he has, and it, it really, it makes me flash on so many things. It makes me flash on Greg bears, blood music and mm. on, um, on, uh, uh, what's the, the, uh, Neil Stevenson book, um, the one I can quote is, is Snow Crash. Snow Crash. Think, it okay. reminds me of Snow Crash, too, where he says everything is code, and you can manipulate anything through code. And he has, and, it's, and a lot of it's a like, lot uh, like the, the... You know, Elon Musk thinks the same thing. But the, this, remember the remember the Monty Python sketch about the killing joke where they mm-hmm. had to work on it in different no, segments? The, the, the killer joke, killer not joke. the killing joke. That's a totally right. different thing. But the killer joke where they had to do the translation in different yes. segments. Otherwise, yes. you'd have the whole joke and you'd kill yourself. Well, well no, I know. Yeah, one so person, one person again, accidentally worked on two words and they were hospitalized for three weeks. So it's a segmented project. Um, that he's the only one who knows all the different parts, and he's still doing it behind the back of his masters until these hackers decide they're going to hack the the, uh, the I'm military gonna, I'm going to ask a fair, uh, a fair question of you, because, you know, you and Debbie are both members in good standing of BASFA. Yes. Uh, which is a, an organization. The Bay Area Science Fiction An organization kind enough to still invite me to Baycon every year, even though I don't show up for meetings, uh, and I'm not formally a member, but... When you look at kind of harder sci-fi, I really get this feeling that Image, that's where their niche has been. They do, obviously, spawn uh, Savage Dragon. Right. But where I think they have excelled, even, uh, you know, more than Dark Horse, uh, Boom Studios, both those publishers play with it. But Image is, like, really cool, truly hard sci-fi comics. And it's not even uh, hard sci-fi indica- is something where you look at, at like the expanse, right? That's that's hard which is sci-fi. Ironically as I've said that, a dynamite book. But, but you typically you look at the expanse and you go this is all 
basically explain I take that book. I, I'm sorry. Science. We need to alter that. It yeah. is a Boom Studios book. The Expanse is, is a Boom Studios okay. because I just downloaded the PDFs. But that's hard sci-fi means you can you can start to explain it at least with regular science. It usually doesn't take too many leaps and gaps. Image does that. They also do fantastic science, which is that what we call the genre? Uh, science fantasy. Science fantasy. So I'm thinking about things like. Um, okay, let me put. They they do challenging work that is in what outsiders think of as science fiction. Well, like Saga, for example, is definitely science fiction. It's not a superhero book, uh, but it's it's fantasy yeah. science fiction. But they, I mean, there that there you have it. I mean, you, you know what I think. I, I I would really like us to go back to what the Manhattan Project, what the original word was, which is romance. Hmm. In Shakespeare's day, romance covered all of it. Anything that was fantastical was, was a, a romance. romance, and then we we ghettoized it to mean just love, right? And uh, you know, so I I think when you think about the romantic poets, they weren't always writing about love; they were writing about fantasy. They were right, doing this. Right. I brought up to somebody today. Uh, I said, uh, but anyway, before we get too far, so let's let, we yeah. can close out. Generation Gone, issue number one. Uh, this is this is definitely on my buy list now. All and right. again, it is uh, four ninety nine for what looks to be about seventy five pages. It looks hefty. It's it it's looks a big hefty. book, but I, I sat down. I had a nice. I want to say that other thing about twenty image, minutes to read. As I think Image does what more publishers should be doing is they are making their books reasonably affordable but definitely more affordable that for what you get yes. than than any other publisher yes. and i more I, bang for your buck absolutely because uh, like these are I, i've got a valiant i'm only going to talk one of the two valiants that i have here which is because the first issue and i like to you know, give people sure. a chance. Faith in the future force. Now, I, we've talked about Faith before, mm-hmm. um, who I think is going to be a breakout, who is a breakout character, but it's going to be a breakout when Sony uh, finally makes the Harbinger series because she's key to that. But The this, movie. The movie, right. yeah. yeah. When I say Sony, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You're right. I, I need to specify that. Because I picked up, I think, a, a, um, uh, an interesting piece of, of, of Sony news that I don't think has been publicized but uh, at Comic-Con. But anyway, Faith in the Future Force, there was Rye in the Future Force when Valiant existed I back in the, in the 90s you know, because he was the future character. Mm-hmm. He was the defender of Japan from the 30th century. Uh, this he is, crossed over with Magnus, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Faith is the, you know, is the fangirl superhero who's Zephyr. Um, and so they're using the Future Force concept to, with time travel uh, which I'm loving in the first three pages, the acknowledgement that Faith is a huge Doctor Who fan. So when the time traveler shows up and says, uh, I need you to come save all of time, She's she, right goes, there. she says, I've been waiting my whole life for this. And, <laughs> then the, and the time traveler goes, oh God, you're a Doctor Who fan. <laughs> I hate going through this. And, you know, it, it's, it is a delightful book. And I, I read this while we were having technical difficulties earlier. And so this is one of the rare moments of on a Wednesday night. I can say, I embrace this book. I love every time I pick up a Valiant, and I, you know, I, I buy most of them in trade, but I'm reading that and Exo Man of War, and I, I think Faith in the Future Force, pick that up. Really, really fun, fun book, and I get to say that truthfully. I have read it. This is this is fun. Um, so I was going to say the because this will transition is. I picked up a graphic novel. This is the heaviest of the graphic novels I, I bought. Um, my favorite thing is Monsters. Have you heard of this graphic novel? No. Okay, it's from, Fant- oh, wait a minute. Yes, from I have. Fantagraphic Books. Yes, I have. The creator is a woman it's in her incredibly 60s. incredibly stylized art style. 
The creator's a woman in her 60s. She's never done a graphic novel before, but she's been an artist for a while. And, uh, and uh, it is about a girl. It's told from her perspective. Uh, no, it's better. It's my kind of meta favorite thing. Um, I, I, you know, I just like these kind of when these storytelling uh, conceit works is what you're looking at is her lined notebook. Uh-huh. Where she is telling her story through her drawings and narrative of monsters. It's the comic book she's doing herself to tell her story. To tell her story about to sublimate it through horror. The real life horror she's enduring and telling it. And it's volume one. There's gonna be volume two, which is like, You're kidding me, this thing is massive. And this creator, and I'm sorry that I'm blanking on her name, but I left it in my trunk. Um had never done a comic before. And it, I, I, you know, even, it's one of those things, you know sometimes when you look at a book and you read a few pages in, you go, this is, this is it. This who's is publishing? This is great. Fantagraphics. Fantagraphics, okay. Um, and I, and that's how I felt reading the first few pages. Was just like, I got chills and went, this is brilliant. I am looking at every bit of hype that I had heard is absolutely true. And then the guy at Fantagraphics said, you know, Sony just bought this. Which I had not heard. Mm. So um, I'm almost afraid of that because I think what makes that graphic novel so incredible in its storytelling, I'm not really sure how you can translate it. That's one of those things where Sony film. buying this is really Sony optioned this. Right. Sony right. optioned it. And right. well, I mean, Which, we would say it shows that. The studios, no matter what people are saying to you, the studios are, are going around looking for properties. Which you said for a long time. Graphic novels are the source, are yeah. what people want. Well, they're easy to pitch because they are the storyboards of yeah, what No, you absolutely. Want to make but, but I think what makes this unique, as I was saying, is there's just no good way to, to translate that. You know, because what makes it cool to me is that, is that conceit of telling it through, mm-hmm. through this idea of a, of a visual journal. Um, so anyway, but that's that's the beginning of our movies. Let's talk about. Be speaking, uh, I was talking about uh, Valiant. That you know they're now getting around to casting characters for the Valiant films at Sony, and um, this one kind of hurt my soul. Even though I kind of like the actor, me as much as it bothers you, Jared Leto as Bloodshot. Yeah, I just I don't know. I think you know for the way Bloodshot is, I'd like to see. I'll be honest, I just expected someone a little more, you know, I mean, he's doing The Punisher, but like John Bernthal would make a great bloodshot. John Hamm would make a great bloodshot. Jared, and and I think he's about the same age as Jared Leto. Wow, yeah. You know, um, I would even go John Cena. You have to be named John. Uh I don't know why, but that's (laughs) like every, I realize every actor I'm thinking of has named John. But Jared Leto, I I, I don't know. I think, and and I think the Josh Brolin. I I think he's reached the legal limit. Yeah, with Jonah Hex, Thanos, and uh, Abel, isn't he? Uh, he would be great. Yeah. Although I still think it's funny at D twenty three how he was the one guy who swore uh, on stage. And he like, was not the tallest person in that line. Oh either. no! I had you know you kind of assume Chris Hemsworth is a big guy, right? But when he makes <laughs> makes Jared, uh, makes Josh Brolin look like you could pick him up and shake him like a rag doll, <laughs> it's like. Holy crap! Chris Hemsworth is huge. Yeah, um, you know. So yes, that was that was kind of funny. Just like uh, Gwen, Gwendolyn, uh, what's her name? Um, 
uh, Captain Phasma. Um, oh yeah, uh, Gwendolyn. Uh, what what is her last name? Who, who's in Game of Thrones? Yeah. Um, again, oh, yeah. you always assumed oh, she was huge. a tall woman. But when you saw her with everybody else... And not to turn this podcast into something else, but she was dressed fabulously for her height. She was, but but it certainly emphasized her height. I mean, it was like, good Lord, she's like the white pillars of Disney. I'm sure she's wearing flats. (laughs) You can't get away from how tall she is, so you might as well dress her... In a in a feminine yet stylish, no, 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 and not compelling. I'm, way. I'm not. I might as well dress her. No, she dressed herself. She oh, knows her style. She's whoever fantastic. Did, whoever, yeah, but uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so there's that. That one hurts me. Let's talk about the Mar- because at D23 they showed the same thing they showed at the Marvel panel at Comic Con as far as Avengers: Infinity War, which was. In one of those things that I, ta- I I turned to my son who's going, I'm hyperventilating. Yeah. And I said, well, and this is the dictionary definition of the word. I said this later on, on, on Facebook to somebody uh, of the word that Stan Lee taught me, pulse pounding. Uh-huh. You know, it was. Right. You can feel your pulse. You watch that. It's like, oh, my gosh. So they showed it. Uh, and I apparently and I, I will not link to this on, on because. Marvel's not ready for us to see it, but there are there have been pirate streams, and this is why we can't have nice things, people. And this is why you know at D twenty three. Can we talk about that for a little bit though? Because right, uh, I mentioned this before. So Comic Con HQ, yeah, and they're all over the front of the page. It's like go see the pan- panel videos and stuff. No, I know I, it's I, all from two thousand sixteen. And I wrote to them and I said, so what's up? And they go, we have decided that we are not going to do panel videos anymore. So they won't be covered. They they did nothing as far as Comic Con coverage goes. Did they do Comic Con coverage last Not, year? Yeah, they did. They had they had 2016 stuff out shortly after everything shut. So down. they're not going to go to that. So what's the point of Comic Con HQ? They're, they're a bunch of crappy movies that you can get on Netflix if you want. No, no, no. I think they've. I think they've got. They have the some. They have rights. some. They have some. No, I don't think they. I mean, Comic Book Men. Right well, now. Con Man was exclusive, Con Man. but now Con Man's going to go to Sci-Fi, right? Which was yeah, a big was, announcement. Out of that there. was the one that they had. That was their big, you know. Yeah, but, they were doing web series. It's something you can't live without. I mean, but I was. Just, I'm, I'm torn, but I realized, you know, here's the thing: is I, I subscribed. I have probably watched it twice, and uh, it was one I watched to test around and say like they were trying original programming that yeah. just didn't hold my interest uh, and, and I, I i shouldn't say that uh, that it didn't hold my interest it was just like it was just not as compelling um i mean but here's the difference i mean star wars celebration all the everything, everything was streamed live I think Wizard World stopped doing this too, and I just I, I don't know the logic behind it. And as you're right, we're almost kind of sidebarring out of like this is us kvetching. I agree with you in theory at least. Comic Con HQ disappoints me that they're not doing it because look, that was the promise of Comic Con right, HQ, and right. if you got the invite, if you got the badge box, there was an ad and a discount code to subscribe to Comic-Con HQ. Mm-hmm. So clearly they want people to do that. And I think, but the the other reality is now, I think I read Comic-Con's attendance this year was up to 160,000. Holy moly. I, no, and I'll, t- I'll talk about that. I could talk about one of those things in, in movie terms too. Um, and when you have that many, and there are people going for only one day because you can only get the badge for right. one day. Right. The reality is, 
nothing in the United States. I've heard that Angeline in France is much larger. Uh-huh. Um, but as far as if you're interested in the celebration of the popular arts, as they say, and I don't mean that derisively, there is no event in the U.S. that can hold a candle to what Comic-Con has become as far as what news comes out of it, right. what fans want to do and see. Because really, Fan opportunities. At, really yeah. at this point, whatever you're into, it's at Comic-Con. Yeah. And so to not take advantage of that streaming, And they, they're, they're worried charging. about losing revenue from it. It's just like, no, charge for the damn stream. I would pay for that that stream. If, and there are a lot of people who can, who physically can't attend. You know? Right. No, no, no. I and it, it's not just physically can't attend. You you don't get a ticket. And well, I mean, and, and I'm I've, talking about people who yeah. have mobility challenges and stuff. No, no, absolutely. They do a good I, job. They do of accommodating those people. But there are some people who are really can't get out of the house. Can't can't travel across the u.s can't stay in a city yeah where they don't have support well and it's expensive yeah. i mean you know it's like i kind of save up every year and i still go Ugh! when i not just because I, I buy so but it's expensive to get down there it's expensive to eat it's expensive as heck to have a, yeah. a room um and it's and it's limited so i i think anything that could make i don't th- if comic let me put this positively if Comic-Con is afraid that people will stop coming if they stream it, you're wrong. Yeah. People clearly want to go. I mean, totally. how many uh, – there were so many uh, things that people set up that are experiences you had to do. You had right. to be there to do. And people – and clearly there are a lot of fans, you know, a lot of parties that were going you on. You can't like, do your cosplay. Like, you can't do face-to-face with small right. artists. You can't. Right. And, yeah. and so, I mean, so many experiences. I thought it was funny this uh, – I'm sure there were many more things that didn't require you to have a badge and the outside stuff. Mm-hmm. But the scariest one was I had heard that Pennywise was going to be wandering the streets. And I thought, that's a really bad idea. Uh-huh. Because I've seen children get really terrified yeah, yeah. by like the zombies and so forth. No, they did the smarter thing. The honestly creepier thing, which was they had people out on the streets in the yellow raincoat with the red helium balloon and you couldn't see their eyes because they were putting the hoods over their eyes and they were just kind of wandering. And so I took a pic. I, I, the first one I saw, I said, you know, would you please kind of take a picture? So I took a picture and then she handed me a postcard and said, float with us. (laughs) So they had a float VR experience. I didn't do it. I didn't get over there, but I love that it said no badge required because it said, Sure, so that they can make some of these people disappear <laughs> <laughs> and no one can track them because there's no missing badge. Because I, I want to give this a compliment, you know, that they did what Silicon Valley Comic Con does, is you have to scan your badge in, right. in and out, and they tracked. And this year went so much more smoothly than last year. Cool. And I, their line management, everything about Comic Con as far as crowd control was so much better than it's well, been in years past. Well, they're up to have to be. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I don't want to just sound like we're fidgeting because this was probably the best time I've had at Comic-Con in six or seven years. And just one, I didn't overcommit. I still have a ton. We still have a ton of material for the podcast and for the site. But I didn't overcommit myself. Yeah. Um, took time to have fun and to remember – Oh my gosh, there's a lot here that's fun. 
and seeing people that I don't see or and, and seeing that people are enjoying themselves. I can't remember how many people, both Jason Salas and I passed on the street, that are like, People on the phone going, and there's people in Superman costumes and Wonder Woman. I'm like, how did you get down here and not know what you were getting into? But right, it's funny, you right, know, and right. that's all right. Um, so let's do uh, – so out of Infinity War, which was just this pulse-pounding thing, and I'm sure that trailer's coming soon. And then they had more a new Thor Ragnarok trailer, which was just hilarious. I mean, you know, for months they've said, there's going to be a change in the Hulk. And I've been sitting here going, he's going to talk. What else yeah. is there to do? Well, they confirmed that in the trailer. And, you know. The, Them sitting next to each other. Thor, you know, Hulk like raging fire. Thor, Thor like, like smoldering fire. <laughs> it, it, it was, uh, I, I, I love that. Out of this, they said, you know, they announced casting for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, that Michelle Pfeiffer is going to play Janet Van Dyne. That's interesting. I don't know why I find that as interesting as I do, but I find it interesting. I love it. I missed apparently because I don't go to Hall H. I'm I'm busy doing other things, but because uh, you have to, you know, you yeah, do have to stand in line. You have to give up your day, and I can't give up my day because I'm covering other things. But uh, apparently, there was a video of Michael Pena and Paul Rudd, like there's just the cameras on them, and they're explaining everything that's happened in the Marvel universe. So this is how they announced Michelle Pfeiffer. Is you think it's a video to fans just going like this is what's happened up to Phase Three, and then the camera pulls back. And they're explaining it to Mel- Michelle Pfeiffer. And then they said, Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet Van Dyne. And apparently people went nuts. And then cool. they announced Lawrence Fishburne as Bill Foster, who is Goliath. And as you pointed out, you know, was uh, killed in the comic book version of Civil, in, War. In Civil yeah. War. Yeah, Wasn't he? Uh, he was He was killed by Clor, wasn't he? The I clone Thor? you are correct. Yes. Um, so. Or actually, he was killed by Ragnarok. Oh, right. I know they gave that. Because. They only called him Ragnarok after people started calling him Clore. Right. Uh, you know, so come on. Uh, give well, me- they actually called him Ragnarok after he'd been exposed as the android uh, clone of Thor. Yeah, yeah. So Before that, they were calling him Thor. Yes. Uh, and then they announced, they gave more info on Captain Marvel. And um, it's interesting because this means that Phase 4 is going to be a series of secret histories i think you throw in bill Foster, you throw in Lawrence fishburne as bill foster and we said and we already knew that ant-man and the wasp played with this idea of there's a lost generation of heroes mm-hmm. that michael douglas's hank pym had been had been working for shield as ant-man janet van dyne had been the Wasp during the war during during the 70s it was the 70s yeah um and so now we're gonna see and so if you put in bill foster then maybe there's another lost Goliath, you know, uh, in, in the movie Captain America Civil War, uh, Paul Rudd figures it out. Scott Lang figures out that, oh, I think I can get big. But, of course, there's no way that Hank Pym hadn't figured that out. Right. You know, so uh, so I'm sure that there's a lost giant somewhere in their history. And then what feeds in is in the 90s, Captain Marvel, um, Brie, Brie Larson playing Carol Danvers, Takes place in the 90s with Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury with two eyes. And uh, they're fighting the Skrulls. So they put up some concept art of Skrulls as well. And that's kind of interesting. I'm saying that could set up, you know, in uh, f- in Phase 4 that we might see Secret Invasion. If the Skrulls get... get uh, well, that ties so tightly in with, like, the 50s... Uh, paranoia. Yeah, but because the other thing that just occurs to me, da da da, 
by putting Ant-Man and the Wasp, they confirmed what we'd already run with was that uh, Randall Park is playing Jimmy Woo. Uh-huh. So if you have Jimmy Woo, I might get Gorilla Man. I might get Gorilla Man on film. Um, you know, if you put out there that Spider-Man can join the Avengers, I'm putting out there that Gorilla Man could show up. Um, so uh, let's see. I think that was all that came out of Marvel. DC was the big stuff uh, as far as because the, I think there was the most controversy. Gosh, you know, they can't do anything right. And I don't mean that they can't. I mean that everybody in the press is ripping them to shreds before they know anything. And the big thing, of course, it has been, well, Matthew Reeves is coming in after War for the Planet of the Apes. And he's going to direct the Batman. And he threw out Ben Affleck and Jeff Johns' script. And he's going to do his own thing. So... Warner Brothers is looking to get rid of Ben Affleck, supposedly. So some of the DC panel had to be spent by Ben Affleck saying, I love being Batman. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, know, which is like, but it's a shame that they have to. It's like, yeah, come on. I'm going to say, I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say, yes, there were a lot of problems with Batman v Superman. Ben Affleck. Not was not a one of the problems, right? You know, it, it's just that it's simple. So I want to see him. Granted, he might be old uh, by the time you know the next wave. Uh, it might feel too old, but I want to see him at least get one Batman solo film, please. And and I'm loving that he's in Justice League. I, I want to see that. I want to see him like Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man. I want to see him playing that role as long as he wants to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think he is great. Uh, apparently, Ke- I didn't hear it, but Kevin Conroy, the animated Batman voice, uh, said Affleck he thinks is the best out of out of the live action. And I, I, you know, you still got to hold it, give it to Adam West, but I would say out of them all, I I do like Ben Affleck's Batman the best. Now, if they can make a Batman that has the detective aspect and give that to Ben Affleck, then we'll have seen the ultimate Batman because we've never really seen. The smart Batman. I give you where my take on it is that Affleck is the best Bruce Wayne. And that that even when he's out of the cowl, he still has, and he's interacting with the other Justice Leaguers, and when mm-hmm. he's going around mm-hmm. talking to them all, he has an intensity and uh, a purity almost of the fact that this is this is somebody who is not your everyday guy. That, that he comes across very well, and, and out of all these guys too, you got to you you got to give it up. He's the one who really is the comic book fan. Mm. He's grown. He grew up reading Batman. He knows Batman as a character from that. They did confirm Wonder Woman two is going to be in December two thousand nineteen, and I think um, you talk about they know that that is now the anchor. It's a December. That's a Christmas movie. Whatever Wonder Woman two is, yeah, in. Two and a half, one, one and a half years. One and a half years. It's uh, you're right. That is short. One and a half yeah, years. But turn it but, around. But they know what they have. And if you've seen that video somebody took of at the DC booth, I was trying to hang out long. I was right there when they announced that the cast was coming, and I tried to hang out because I was at Raphael and Mike's uh, booth, kind of like just hoping uh, security wouldn't move me along. The cast was there for a signing, and there is this beautiful video somebody shot. You know, just randomly on their cell phone of a, of a little girl dressed as Wonder Woman meeting Gal Gadot and, um, you know, just crying. And, and, and what and all the kids are just shaking that they're meeting the Justice League. And, you know. Oh, yeah. I saw the video. Was and before we get people 
right? It is two and a half years. I just redid the math in my head. Well, okay. We have six, six months till t- we have. As I like to claim, five, uh, five I like to remind people, I was an English major, not a math major. major I was an English but, major, uh, but I should but, have been a math But major. Rick, uh, you know, Rick designed PowerPoint, and uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's why occasionally the uh, numbers don't add up on that program. Uh, it's Luckily, still, it doesn't do much with numbers. Yeah, well, uh, and this is why. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, anyway, out of this, you know, the other thing is, uh, you know, the Justice League has gone in for massive reshoots. I love this And story. I love that, you know, yeah, this is the problem, is that they had to call Henry Cavill back from the set. If you've seen the trailer for Justice League, it's very clear that Superman, duh, is going to come back. And uh, so, I mean, it's there, and the trailer is on Fanboy Planet, along with some of this news. Um that they called Henry Cavill back. He's on the set as of Mission Impossible Six, whatever that's going to be called. Uh, ghost, ghosticall, and uh, <laughs> ghosticall, ghosticall. Shh. Yeah. Ooh, right in the ghosticles. Uh, and uh, he has a mustache in that movie. And apparently, Paramount just flexed and said, "Well, you need him back on the set. He can't shave." So, like, you know, my immediate, my immediate thought was, "Well, duh, he came back from the dead." In the comics, with the mullet oh, yeah. and the beard, yeah. and just do it. Yeah. No, no, they're digitally removing the mustache from Henry Cavill for uh, every shot in the reshoots. So you're not thinking because if you if you have him in some of the movie with a beard and parts of the movie without, that's two separate action figures. Are you listening, Warner <laughs> Brothers? Uh, so, yeah. Diane Nelson's like, curses! Uh, so, yeah. Hey, Diane, are you listening? I love you. Anyway, uh, so, uh, yeah, that's... The other thing is, and we ran, uh, like, a day before this, it was announced that Shazam is firmly on the schedule, also for a 2019 release, but being developed by New Line without The Rock. So they confirmed that, that Black Adam will not be the villain in that because they're still kind of hoping to do a solo anti-hero film with Dwayne Johnson if he is not president in 2020. Right. Uh, He's going up against Kid Rock. As Black Adam. Oh, Kid. Oh. (laughs) Well, that was the last. Kid Rock is only. That was the. Kid Rock only wants to be a a senator. senator. Uh, That was the the last part of my soul just died. Thanks. So, so Shazam, my hope, my hope of hopes on this is that they put it multiple arms lengths away from the rest of the DC universe. Well, here's just the let weird it, choice. Let them do a, a Shazam movie the way Shazam really should be done. Uh, I, let me let me kill your soul now. Um, it's from the people that made Jonah Hex. No, I, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, no, but the director, while good, is an, is an odd choice. Yeah. His previous films have been Lights Out. And Annabelle Creation, which is about to come out, the third evil doll movie um, from The Conjuring. Uh, so, and I want it to be like Pleasantville, you know. Well, I think at one point it was supposed to be. Uh, I want to say it was Sean Levy was the director. So somebody who wasn't like a a fantastic director, yeah, but one who could handle. I think it was the guy. I, I think it's the guy who had directed the Night at the Museum franchise, oh. which yeah was silly, but you know, lighthearted, and that's what. Um, Shazam, Shazam should be, should be. Yeah. although I think honestly as I've said you know Jeff Johns very talented creator and when he when he's firing on all cylinders and I like him I really like him and then when I think he's done he's wrong I think he gets really wrong and I think one of the things is that Shazam 
uh, the Shazam that he's created is right. the punk kid right. instead of the innocent. And I, you know, and I think that's what we're going to get on screen. Um, and it, I just find that a little sad because I think of even Michael Gray, who was too old to play Billy Batson, but they did it anyway on the TV series. But, you know, I've talked to him in that interviews on Fanboy Planet. And, and it's like, you know, these guys that get to play the actual pure heroic characters mm-hmm. – Go, holy crap, it feels good to be a pure heroic character. You know, I, I want to jump ahead just a little bit to the TV. Have you seen the video of what, and I'm going to choke up because this it was a beautiful moment, Stephen Amell on the CW, um, the Arrowverse panel? No, I haven't. There was a little girl dressed up as, um, as the Arrow. And uh, so the video is only from the back and then somebody took a, you know, there's a still photo of her and it's like right. a really great costume. But apparently like last year he had done t-shirts that were for cancer research and she got up and she said, are you, are you going to do that again? Because I have cancer. I'm fighting. She's like 10. And he says, oh, let me give you something. And he has a pendant around his neck of the air, like some friend made it for him. And yeah. he said... And he put it around her neck and he says, you're going to come back next year and give this back to me. And it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. And he, he leaped off the stage and gave that to her at the mic, ran into the audience and gave that to her on the microphone. I'm like, that's a hero. Yeah. And Amel has been that way from he, the beginning. He's been, he's been awesome. You know, um, and I'm, I'm sorry, but when yeah. kids being sick, it just kills me, you know, as a dad. And I know you and, yep. and everybody. It's just when I see it a guy playing a hero getting what it means to be a hero. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it's incredibly moving to me. That's who I'd hoped those guys were when I grew up, you know, when I was growing up. That's who you wanted Christopher Reeve to be. That's who you wanted Adam West to be. They were too many although Adam West had a sixth sense of humor. But <laughs> you know what? And he's been that way. I mean, when you look at that character in the first season there's not a lot of joy in that character. No, but, but Amel he, had it. But he, he absolutely he stepped out of the role, didn't feel like he had to be the role. He knew who Green Arrow was going to be. Right. And he lived up to that right. from the very beginning. Right. So I want to get back to the movie universe just a minute. Thank you, people, for indulging me as I'm like fighting back tears. Um just because that was. That's what I that's what I love about Comic I think that's what Comic Con reminded me this summer is the role that these properties play in people's lives. Yes. And when you hear of my interview with Kevin Conroy, uh, the roundtable interview, but I but I asked a question about that, and, and he had some very moving things along those lines too. Um, so you got Shazam. You've got – they did Green Lantern – they announced Green Lantern Corps. They left out there's no Justice League 2. Hmm. There is no Cyborg, which I was disappointed. There's a Suicide Squad 2. There's the Batman. There's um, – Batgirl, as previously announced. Right. They talk about the TV properties at all? No, because that's a separate panel. Okay. So, I mean, they did, yeah. you know, they, they talked there. But um, the interesting thing is we've we've mocked quite a bit how The Flash was a mess. Uh-huh. Like, they announced Shazam, and Shazam kind of fit in the slot where The Flash had previously been announced. Right, right, the, the movie. So then they announced, once you see the trailer and you see that the Ezra Miller's portrayal, his version of Barry Allen... I guess my only problem now is I don't think that he's bad so much as I really wish they weren't claiming he was Barry Allen because he's almost more like Bart, but even more so, he's almost like somebody else that we've never seen as the Flash. 
And I could accept that if they gave him a different secret identity. Yeah. Um, so he's very, I mean, there's a line in the trailer, which I love. It's like, I, I don't really fight so far. All they've done is really moved really fast and push, push people. people. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, that's kind of funny. You know, it's just, it's just not who Barry Allen oh, is. The other to line me. he delivers, which is, Oh, Delta severe. How rude. <laughs> that was funny. Um, so now they're setting it up. So he's actually, if you want to see, like, if you say Marvel's been doing phase one, phase two, phase three, the Flash now is going to end phase one of the DC extended universe, which is, then they're going to end with, they announced the title of the movie is Flashpoint in 2020. So that basically, you know, and of course the cynics are all going, that's their acknowledgement that this is their chance to re- redo it and every mistake they made in the first in, in Man of Steel because Man of Steel 2 is now not on the docket either but that's never really been solid it's just been constantly talked about yeah Gotham City Sirens disappeared and the rumor and I, I say with a grain of salt only rumor is that that whole Snyderverse feel that darkness well they learn from Wonder Woman which I said when I watched Wonder Woman is there's that balance of you're stuck with some cinematic tools that Zack Snyder established and it's not to rip into those because in in the right balance those are okay but Patty Jenkins proved you can use those still tell a story and still inspire people and it is the fly we've been getting into the debates with not debates because we're all agreeing that there is this moment in the trailer for Justice League when they talk about Superman being dead the Superman which really irritated me it's like once you call him the Superman uh huh you're making explicit the subtext of them being the you know gods, and I think that's been the mistake to the approach all along. When what makes Superman Superman and which Man of Steel failed to do is he sees himself as human. Yeah, I'm from Kansas, but they say he inspired you know he inspired us to be the best of who we could be, and I'm like that's the other problem. Batman v Superman and Man of Steel never showed us that version of Superman. We never had proof that anybody in the in the cinematic universe there. Ever saw Superman that Put way. it together when he was being anonymous all those years. And, and especially when you say that the last movie, Batman v Superman, Batman's issue was, he's an alien, he's not one of us, he doesn't right, care. Right. It's like, and then you're going to say, oh, he was, he was totally one of us all along. Well, his mother was named Martha. What, well, else, you, what well, else you need to know? My mother's name is, no, I won't say. I don't want people tracking down and hurting my loved ones. Uh, so anyway, there's, that's going on. And I did get to see, uh, another comic book adapted, uh, adaptation on film. Uh, we're going to turn to Oni press, which does not get a lot of, of movie adaptations. Atomic blonde coming from a graphic novel called, uh, called the coldest city. Although good luck finding it under that title because now it's called atomic blonde. Um, having read it now, cause I bought it from Oni press. Yeah. Um, they should have just still called it the coldest city and said like the source for it, and they could have plastered Atomic Blonde, but they literally changed the title in the in the pages. Wow! So like, there's a, clearly a title bar that once said the coldest city and now says Atomic Blonde, and I think that was a mistake. Uh, starring Charlize Theron, um, directed by I think his name is Donovan Leach. No, that's the singer Donovan, uh, but it is Leach, David Leach, who is going to be. The direct, who is the director of Deadpool 2. Okay. Uh, I think he's going to be a great director of Deadpool 2. His action scenes... His action scenes in the previews have been look great. They are amazing. The weird thing about the movie is that it has slapped terrific action scenes 
on a graphic novel story that is like a John Le Carré novel. Oh, wow. Cold War, uh, the fall of the Berlin Wall. It's right there on the edge, 1989. Lots of layers. The wall's about to collapse. And in the graphic novel, not a lot of action. It's Uh, all intrigue. It's all double-crossing. Who's the spy? Who's who's serving who? And no character is anywhere near as attractive in the graphic novel as they are on screen, where it's James... McAvoy and Charlize Theron and um, the woman from The Mummy, uh, Sophia Boutella, yeah. uh, as a French agent whose gender has changed from the graphic novel. Um, the graphic novel uses like a very open ink style. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's very it's very Oni. It's yeah. very Oni press. It's very um, crime thriller. You know, I've read a lot reading hard of, case crime. of like, hard, uh, well, but I mean, an older style, like, like yeah. what Brian Michael Bendis did uh in the early days of we were with Jinx and um and Torso and AKA Goldfish. Um and I've seen uh there was a there was a book about In Cold Blood about Truman Capote that I have. I think it's in like In Truman's Shadow and I and um I think that was Oni too. Um so it is. It it's a very um the graphic novel story fits its story uh, the art fits its story very well. Okay. The movie is like, I mean, it's gray. It's like, it's the coldest city. It's Berlin. It's the, what we think of the Soviet, you know, tone. Right. And then the movie is every eye-popping, hurting your eye, neon 80s flashback thing. If the title uh, sequence of Thor Ragnarok and the trailer were an entire movie, that's kind of what the color scheme is. And I was like, fantastic soundtrack going. This is all, these are all those songs I love. 80s songs where, like, in the graphic novel, there's no indication anybody listens to music anywhere except for ha- perhaps the Soviet marching band. Dirge. Um, <laughs> you know, dirges. Yeah. And uh, so it's kind of funny that, you know, it, it's. So I can't wholeheartedly say you got to go see Atomic Blonde. But it was a movie that shows me potential of other movies to come. Charlize Theron is really good in it. Uh-huh. Every actor is great. Um, it's just a weirdly complicated plot, which is used to hang all these fantastic action scenes on, which, again, gives me hope for Deadpool 2. Absolutely. Um, and it's like a movie like you know watching the trailer for Kingsman The Golden Circle is – one last piece of news that you posted earlier this week on your Facebook page, of course, was the announcement of Bond 25 in 2019. Right. Right. And here's my thing. The far more distance I get from a Spectre, which I did give a positive review to on Fanboy Planet, the less enamored I am of that film. And I, I see, when I see things like The Trader for Kingsman, and I know not everybody's going to agree with me. Sal Pizarro and I can get into a death match over this, perhaps. Uh, and I see something like Atomic Blonde. It's like, these are spy movies, but these are spy movies that give me the thrills that I want out of a Bond film. And Bond has not done that because they were trying to be more like the handheld, you know, Daniel Craig came in to redesign after Born, to design it after the Born identity. And that was, that was what they were responding to. But I sure. think the time has come that it's time for Bond to go back over the top. And you see Atomic Blonde is is a, a blueprint for that. I suspect Kingsman, The Golden Circle, will be a blueprint for that because that movie 
from well the first one was the same way you know the secret service they were they were so precisely designed i just realized secret service had sofia botella too um you know so more of a suave than less of a blunt hammer yeah, yeah. And, and and that we know it's not real we know this is yeah, yeah. not realistic let's not pretend it is let's just have fun because really in an age where we are afraid of what's going on in the political scene, anybody, anybody, right or left, has got to be going like, what the heck is going on in this world? If you're going to give me an entertainment based on what the heck is going on in this yes. world, make it so that it, convince me it can't happen. That's what I want to see now. Um, so I'm hoping Bond 20, I don't know that that's Craig, Daniel Craig, if it's true that it Daniel Craig is going to do it. Um, that's the rumor. I don't think it's actually been confirmed, but I haven't. I'm, I'm sure, sure if they, they throw would, enough I'm money, sure they at would, I'm sure if it had been confirmed, they would have announced it already. You know, so um, but I have to since we're talking about him. Have you seen the trailer for Logan Lucky? Oh, no, I have not actually watched the trailer for that. But Dan- I know from Daniel Saturday Craig. Live, Daniel Craig can be very funny. Daniel Craig is playing this this convict, Southern hick, little guy with a squeaky voice. And did you watch him host Saturday Amazing. I don't recall if I did. Have you seen the Catherine Tate sketch with him? Which no, look that up. It is oh. so hilarious. Where he actually is playing himself, but he's in love with her housewife character. Okay. And it's all about how she got bored of him really fast and it's like Daniel Craig moping around the house <laughs> trying desperately, what can I do to you know? <laughs> so uh I do wanna I, I Logan Lucky's one of those movies like I already know I want to see it. Oh yeah. So I haven't watched the trailer because it's like whereas I would say Kingsman the Golden Circle I needed to see the trailer to convince myself, yeah, yeah I'm going to see this see in the theater. Yeah. You know, um I liked Kingsman, but I thought, eh, you know, I'm not enthusiastic about a sequel. There are a couple things in Kingsman that put me off, but I'll I'll, I'll give it another try. Right. No, that's how I felt. As yeah. I watched Kingsman and thought, yeah, so many things I love about I that I really love about this, but also some things that put me off. And then I'm like um, you're gonna put, you're gonna put Channing Tatum and Jeff Bridges as the yes, Americans. It's so yes, ugly yeah. and brilliant. Uh, yeah, let's get to TV because I picked up. Speaking of of something making you want to watch something that you didn't think you wanted to watch. Uh huh. So ran a little trailer for Krypton right last Thursday, the yep. sci-fi series. Yep. And they say like the the. Uh, the legacy must be restored or something. And they show the ring and, you know, of the, uh, the, the S symbol, house of L. the house of L, not the S symbol. It's hope. Yes. It means hope. Okay. I cannot find confirmation for this, but the rumor going around. And if this is true, suddenly crap, I want to watch Krypton. Who's restoring the legacy. You think it's Jor-El's father. You think it's Kal-El's grandfather. Sod. No, the House of Zod is there too. It's the House of Zod versus the House of El. It's Kryptonian dynasty. But two people from the future Hmm. have been sent back to Krypton because what has happened is if this legacy does not get restored, Kal-El doesn't get sent to Earth. And the two characters that are allegedly going undercover in Krypton trying to alter to nudge history without altering history actually make perfect sense and I don't want Adam Strange uh-huh. and Hawkman and if that is true suddenly damn it I want to watch Krypton and it's the and that 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 is the element that suddenly makes that series if that's true that's the element that makes that series 
worth my attention for at least a couple of episodes. I, I have never been able to quantify my love of the Adam Strange character. He, he I don't think anybody can because he is at best what I can say is the fact that he teleports to this planet on an irregular basis and goes back and has this love affair smacks of Edgar Rice Burroughs. That's what it is. He's, and I think that's all but he's, it's enough. He's because, John Carter of Mars. Yeah. Because if you real you know, if you trace the lineage of Flash Gordon exists because King Features would not meet Edgar Rice Burroughs price mm. to have Alex Raymond draw John Carter. So they told Alex Raymond, go back and create your own thing. When you realize that Buck Rogers was created because Anthony Nolan is that uh I don't know if I have the right um, uh, the right author, but I know we've read that really Armageddon twenty four nineteen. Oh, um, that pulp novel. Um, is it Philip Nolan? No, 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 no. But anyway, yeah. Uh, let's just go Christopher Nolan's grandfather, and uh, the legacy must be restored. I have a book on the bottom shelf. Uh, you no, know, I have it somewhere too. But uh, uh, but when you realize that Buck Rogers, or or I'm sorry, that's why I called him Anthony Nolan because it's Anthony right. Buck Rogers in the novel. Anthony uh, Rogers is following in the footsteps of it was a time traveling riff on what John Carter and Carson right, uh, right. Carson Napier had been right yeah. you know so um then it all goes back to John Carter and that's what Adam Strange is Adam Strange was the next logical step of of the evolution in, in the evolution of that trope and so if Adam Strange is going back in time what that calls to me is it makes me feel like oh my gosh you're going into that one of my favorite issues of Starman when uh, he was going through time and um, ended up on Krypton and he teams up with Jor-El and then comes back to Earth and Superman shows up and says, I hear you met my father. What was he like? And it, and that, that issue devastated me. So much of James Robinson's work devastated me in that series. But that was really one of, one of those things. It's like, now if you're going to give me that tie-in to the mainstream DC universe... In a way, in the kind of let's go Gotham and go bat guano mm. insane, but somehow reassure you that the reason we're doing that is so that what you expect can happen. Because I think it's then the implication Brainiac is has also gone back in time and is trying to nudge the other way, trying uh. to keep Superman from creating. So now that might have been a fan service rumor that other sites were running with, and I say grains of salt, grains of salt, get out your Mortons. Uh, when it rains, it pours. But the the trailer at least looks stylish, like the like they put a yeah. little more money yeah. into it than they did Flash Gordon. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to stop comparing that because Sci-Fi clearly this year at Comic Con they didn't take over Mary Jane's at the Hard Rock Cafe, Hard Rock Hotel. Instead. They are so clearly positioning, embracing what uh, I was telling other people, what the promise of what they were when they started way back when. I'm not sure when. I know it's no, I didn't get it because it didn't have cable. When sci fi started as a network back in the 90s, was it that long ago? Yeah. Um, yeah. That I expected when it started. It's like, this is going to be the Geek Central. And now that's what they're positioning themselves are. They're doing talk shows. They were they were running like trivia buses. You they had stops, shuttle stops along the trivia shuttle, and you could join it. And and you could you'd get on a shuttle, a little trolley, and they would have a trivia contest on and take you to wherever. And then if you won, you got a T-shirt and you got off the trolley. And they were all over the place, being about trivia and gossip and and embracing um, who we are. 
So um, there's that. That's the Krypton rumor. Um, so it's Philip Francis Nolan. Philip Francis Nolan. Uh, so we were right that Nolan was the last name. Um, and you said Philip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, I was thinking not Philip because I thought it was Philip Wiley. I think, and it, I think it was Gladiator. I'm pretty sure sci-fi has been around since the 80s. I still didn't have cable. Because I I remember watching the previews for it on Chuck Farnham's, uh, at Chuck Farnham's. uh, Don't say it three times. He'll show up over my shoulder and kill me. They were running on satellite feed these kind of swirly, weird uh, images on the screen counting down the days till the launch. And at the same time, I would go over there and we were recording the satellite feed of uh, Star Trek Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Which was the late eighties. We we've we've yeah. We've so talk about those days. Yeah. Uh so uh let's say also while we were at D twenty three, the BBC announced uh well at Comic Con they showed a trailer, they said farewell to Peter Capaldi and they showed the trailer for uh, released the trailer for twice upon a time. Which It's brilliant. Absolutely, absolutely from the brilliant. moment that William Hartnell shifts into being uh, David Bradley uh, as the first doctor that's like okay they don't look that much alike but so creepy how much they do look alike and uh, that was a great moment they look, uh, they look enough alike because the video that was recorded back in those days is so smudgy and low yeah, res no, no, no. I, yeah. I, I'm not criticizing it's no. like and they said there's a shot of Polly um, so again one of those things I did not realize that that was one of the actually that you have those clips, but that most of that serial is a missing serial as well. Mm. So, you know, like I knew for whatever reason, they still had the clip of Hartnell uh, regenerating into Patrick Troughton. But as we, we know, with because uh, they had to animate it, like that whole serial of Patrick Troughton right. was gone. The first, the first and one. And I just assumed that the serial, at least leading into it, was there, but no. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, but the way the rumor again, rumor, but Mark Gaddis being the captain, that's what he's listed in in the press release with the big mustaches. Uh, he's gotta be, you know, is that Brigadier, Brigadier, uh, Stewart's father or grandfather, probably father. I could, I could go with it as father, you know, um, it's like, what a fantastic send off. For both Capaldi and Gaddis, who has said, well, I'm probably not going to be involved in the Chibnall era. He, era, he might, if he asked me, of course I'd jump back, but he, like right now it doesn't even look like he has plans. So it, it's, it's, and calling it twice upon a time where, uh, you know, Stephen Moffat, and I said, I would love to do like occasional one-offs of, of this podcast where we're actually just gathering the panel to discuss this topic yes. and say like the sci, you know, here's the sci-fi panel in, 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 in your, in your, on your iPod. Um, that Moffat has treated his run as, and he treats Doctor Who this way, as a fairy tale. So to go twice upon a time and say, like, those gaps in logic that appear in Doctor Who under under Moffat's run, on, on everybody's run, really, but Moffat's in particular because we're so much more critical than we had been uh, when we were children, is, you know, it is because it's a fairy tale. He's telling a fairy tale. It's science fiction, but it's a fairy tale. And giving it the title is beautiful. Of course, in the meantime, and I don't know the context, but apparently um, I'm seeing people on the left upset uh, over his reaction at Comic-Con to a controversy over casting, which is, I've only read this in print where he said, nobody complained, 
everybody's uh, 100% on board with this. I could see him playing, being sarcastic about that. Like, oh, you know, there's no controversy. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, by the way, I actually bumped into him, literally almost bowled him over on my way to an interview. And when I realized, I'm like, there's no way to recover from this. So I'm just not going to say anything to Stephen Moffat. But I believe that's like the fourth annual bumping into Stephen <laughs> Moffat that I've done. Um I don't know what he's going to do next year when he has no show to come to Comic-Con for. Uh, but uh, he'll have that uh, Dracula one. Cause isn't it Dracula they're going to do now? Um, I don't know. I'd like him to go back and, and do, do uh, Jekyll again. That's right. He was Jekyll, too. Yeah. And I think they're doing a Dracula. I think they're going to do an update of Dracula. Yeah. He and Mark Gaddis. Uh, but anyway, uh, which is on Sunday of, of D23, the BBC at, at the end of Wimbledon announced the uh, casting of the new Doctor, the 13th Doctor, yep. Jodie Whittaker. Uh, so, right? Is that, did I get the right? Yep. Yes. Um, and by that name, yes, the thir- you know this by now, the 13th Doctor is a woman, which I want to say both is, of course, brilliant, but it's also overdue, and we're back to my thing about she's going to be a role model for everybody, you know? I mean, that that's a bit, but in particular for women, I don't mean to, to minimize that about women needing the role model because it, it has become increasingly clear to me how hungry audiences have truly been for well for lack of a better phrase that kind of representation so i'm all for that when people say well who who are going to be the role models for boys i will throw back out (laughs) there are 50 years of a male doctor to be a role model for boys and and i'm sorry i just think for gosh sake my son doesn't care he just loves Doctor Who. There are going to be plenty of new opportunities for takes on stories, too. I mean, we've never had... The Doctor has had few romantic entanglements, let's just say it that way, compared to some brushes that some of the companions have And had. I don't think the Doctor should have romantic entanglements. Well, I think when we look at the Doctor, you know, he's kind of he's kind of like the the superior being, and we're kind of not not there and so it's almost like the male role the, having the male in that role is is kind of frowned upon yeah but i think if we turned it around and we have now the females in that role i think that you can write some interesting stories around that well yeah i i i just think uh, you talk about your your social media bubble my social media bubble is I saw a lot of people complaining about people complaining about the casting. Yeah. I didn't see people complaining about the casting, which I think, and I'm not, uh, before you jump on this to write into editor at fanboyplanet.com, <laughs> I'm not saying it didn't exist, that because it, clearly it did. Sure. I'm just saying that it was interesting when I realized that mostly what I was seeing was people reacting to people reacting instead of the actual backlash. Right. So... I kind of feel good about uh, the, the friends I have. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel good. Hey, if you're listening and you're my friend, hey, kind of feel good about you. Um, but but then I did see somebody like research this. And again, it was a backlash to Stephen Moffat saying there was no backlash. And then people were like, I found all these trolls. I'm like, it's the internet. It's the internet, and that's the, I, I want us you're all... You can say something about pizza, and someone's going to end up calling you I, Hitler. I want us all to remember that, that it's sort of like, let us let us just remember, like when people said, Kanye fans don't know who Paul McCartney is. I'm like, you know, five tweets is not a, sa- a, a representative sample of 12 million yeah. album sales, you know, or 
Maybe I'm exa- I hope I'm exaggerating how many albums Kanye sold, but I doubt it. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, not a fan. Uh, but but it, it, but a big fan of Paul McCartney. So you know, the, it, it's like, I, and I brought this up like when I talk about when I was briefly into wrestling and think everybody's into wrestling because that's what your what oh, your yeah. fandom is, and realize that only six million people watch it. Or as I said when Twin Peaks came back, and it was like everywhere I looked, and I'm in there, I'm loving Twin Peaks, but only five hundred thousand people watched the first episode of the return and i'm sure that many are streaming and and yeah. you know but some people won't start until but it's, it's all there. but it's still also but it's also just remembering what kind of bubbles we live in so um you know i i don't know i don't mean to minimize that because i just thought i've just thought for a while it's like well the doctor i you know i read some of the arguments that people made what i love most about it was that chris chibnall actually had trolled everybody and said I don't want to do it because it's a stunt, and he'd already made the cat. He'd already made the decision. So for at least four months, everybody was hating on Chris Chibnall because he'd stated that he probably wasn't going to cast a woman when he had already cast a woman. And I—that's the best way to keep a secret. Yeah, but you know, and I think it was Andy Tremblay uh, who uh, put it, who who said, you know, one of the things is when you realize that the Ninth Doctor, that Christopher Eccleston left because. There was conflict between him and Russell Davis, and many people think Eccleston is still the best out of all the mo- the new who and you H W H O, you know. And it's a shame that that relationship soured. They said, you know, Chibnall was brilliant to choose somebody from Broadchurch, uh, you know, somebody he already knew he could get along with and work with in what's probably a very intense. And again, and don't and and don't poo poo this. I mean. When you realize that Doctor Who is the biggest thing the BBC really has, as far as cultural impact, maybe Top Gear, and look at all the disasters that have gone on with Top Gear in the last few years because of egos and yeah, uh, I, I've read about because I've never watched Top Gear, but you know that's okay. Maybe British Bake Off, but British Bake Off is having a lot of like, <laughs> you know, I mean it's ridiculous. So of course a producer needs to have someone they already know. I think EastEnders they can trust. But I don't think EastEnders sells as much. But it's just been around forever. Yeah, but they don't have toys. Um, probably they don't have. I think probably have novel tie-ins. They probably have alcohol. Oh, probably. You probably <laughs> go down and get uh, EastEnders no, no, that's, brand. That's EastBenders. Uh, so uh, you know. So I'm looking forward to that. But I'm really glad we're getting that one wonderful, wonderful send-off. And you know, we've ended the podcast the last few episodes, and it's like uh, with with the. When is winter coming, Rick? And it came, Winter's and I'm angry at myself, and I apologize to you uh-huh. that I had every intention Sunday night of going back to my hotel room after Comic-Con and watching Game of Thrones. So you haven't watched either of the episodes? They showed two? We're, we're, we've had a second episode. No, it just started last Sunday. Did they show two episodes on Sunday night? There have been two episodes, I'm pretty sure. I've been catching up on a lot of TV, but I think I've watched. Uh, no, I think there was only one. But uh, I don't know because I've been assiduously dodging spoilers oh, online. Maybe uh, no, no, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, so without any spoilers, this is going to be... I, 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 well, I, I mean, I, here's my defense. I just want to say this and throw this out there and you can wish me a happy birthday. So Sunday was my birthday and I ended Comic-Con uh, with a... Uh, you know, mixed result pro fan trivia contest, but at least I began by saying, "Hey, I am the new fifty-two, and 
And then a friend, an old friend from college, I had a couple of Irish donkeys, which is like a like a Moscow mule. Uh, I'm confessing it. Uh, and then teamed that with Comic Con, and it was like I got back to my hotel, and I'm like, oh, game of. <laughs> and, and so, and then I had to drive back, and then I was like, "Okay, I'm too tired." Monday night, I thought last night I'd watch it. No, because I wanted to get out the Seth MacFarlane interview, so that took up my evening. And uh, and then by the time I'm like, I could watch Game of Thrones. No, I can't. I will fall asleep in the middle of that. So uh, I apologize because I this was really on on the the top of my list was transcribing Seth MacFarlane, and the second thing on my list was watching Game of Thrones so that we could talk oh, about there it. There have been two episodes. The first one was Dragonstone. The second one was Stormbone. So, so they must have shown two in a row. No, uh, it's two different weekends. Showed it at D23? Well, I guess that's... Uh, that yeah, we went. missed... The first episode was Sunday night when we were at D23. Because I watched it when we got home. Um, no, I watched that episode. I take that back. So you see, did see... That's what a long week it's, it's the one been. The opens with Alia. Yes. Or, or not, not Alia. Um... Arya Stark. Arya, uh, not Alia. Getting revenge for Alia, the, not f- getting re- ultimate revenge for the red wedding. Right. Yes. Which was a I beautiful scene. Then. I watched the first episode. So see what a long week it's been. There you go. So what? All I wanted to say was without any, I mean, without spoiling, because it's way too early to spoil anything. Going back in my upbringing, my mother was a big fan of the clean plate club. You know, you had to finish everything that was put on your plate. You, if you didn't put it on the plate, you didn't have to finish it. But if you put it on your plate, you were going to finish it. And that's what happened to the fourth Brett Schneider child? So, yes, he sat on the plate. Um, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. So, anyway. They baked a pie. And the way I've always eaten my food since was I always, I, I taste some of the some of the stuff I really want on the plate. And then I eat everything else. So I finish off with the stuff I like most. I have it. I have the concentration of goodness is there at the end. You know, most people call that ice cream. Yeah, at the end, we don't need ice cream. Dessert. So anyway, this is the culmination of all the storylines, and everyone you don't care about is dead. (laughs) So all these characters. So Peter Dinklage is king. We're just going to continue to see the the main characters bumping into each other instead of missing each other in the forest. We're going to have continue to have great. I do feel this scenes. is somewhat spoilery uh, because I didn't. You know, you yeah, you gone for it. Don't go anywhere. Well, I didn't. I didn't say anything. There's not, nothing's really happened in the forest. Well, one thing did. Um, you missed the point of what you said. All right. But anyway, the the idea that we are coming down to the end, all the plots resolving together and and reinforcing each other so do you think that george rr R. martin is watching the show and going oh that's a good idea i think he's, and, and he's, he's just gonna write it up well this is the I've, last volume will be a hundred pages long it'll I've be a novella this, <laughs> i've used this one before the george is getting up there and he kind of has a short memory and so he's gone it's back a, it, it's a song of season seven he's, <laughs> he's, the last he's going novel. back and reading rereading his own work and he's he's blogging about it one day he says boy i really like these stories boy if i do anything to this Tyrion guy i'm going to be pissed well, that's been a meme on Facebook. Yeah. Like, yeah, if uh, Tyrion dies, I'm out. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, that's that's that. People, uh, we'll we'll catch up, and uh, we'll have a, we'll guess, do a we'll do a Game of Thrones uh, talk maybe around episode seven, maybe. You know, I mean, I want to say I, I got to get the title of it, but I have, I have an old friend um, from San Jose who actually does a really popular Game of Thrones podcast. Oh. And uh, so he lives in San Diego now, and I think uh, 
Uh, so Johnny Co, uh, Johnny Kolosinki, I must have been drinking tonight. Uh, uh, but anyway, it was I, Kona I coffee. It was just coffee uh, and and Diet Coke. Uh, so anyway, I, it's still a lot of residual exhaustion. But I think you know it's almost like. I think I, I want to direct people to that podcast, and I can't for the life of me think of it. But he has a brilliant uh, Cersei Lannister uh, Twitter feed, yeah. uh, which is comparing Cersei Lannister to certain political situations. So, like Cersei uh, twi- uh, tweeted out today, "What about uh, what about Frey on uh, somebody Stark's um, thirty three thousand ravens? What about those? Huh? Why, why is anybody <laughs> talking about those? So uh, <laughs> it's." Uh, um, yeah, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, but it's like a, how we do. We circle back around to shows that we love, and uh, so that's it. And I hope you circle back around to a podcast you love, and I hope that we're one of them. So, the, uh, you know, once again, of course, you can write into editor at fanboyplanet.com, support us on Amazon, support us through Think Geek, uh, and support us by telling your friends. And we, we really appreciate that, and I hope you've had a good time listening. Uh, this is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding you to... Use your powers only for good. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreat.com. Luke, L-U-K-E-S-K-I dot com.